Hello and welcome to the Domcast and thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, here on the Domcast, we talk about sports, video games, and science. I am your host, Dominic Zioli, and um, today we're going to focus on Formula One and really dive into the topic of competition in the sport, and more specifically, is Formula One ready for spec racing? Um, so in the United States, Formula One is still a very small and unrecognized sport. Um, just to take a look at some numbers, in 2019, the Mexican Grand Prix, which was the peak viewership in the United States, uh, peaked at just over 1 million viewers. Um, you know, that may sound like a lot, but we can compare that to a regular season NFL game, just a normal game on a Sunday, uh, averages about 15 million viewers uh, in the 2020 season. So as we can see, you know, a regular Formula One or a regular Formula One race is just like a couple percent of the viewership of a regular NFL game. Um, so people may be wondering, like, what is Formula One? You know, it's not very big in the United States. Um, so Formula One is the premier car racing series in the world. Um, it has been helping lead innovation in everyday cars. Uh, so Formula One car is an open-wheeled car, so it's not like a NASCAR, which kind of looks like a normal car. It, it looks it looks like an airplane, basically. And it's like, it may be hard to believe, but this car that looks like an airplane does help um, innovation in everyday cars. So Ferrari has been using technology in their Formula One cars since F Formula One began, um, brands like McLaren, Mercedes, and now Aston Martin this year have bought into that scheme to help compete not only on the racetrack, but also on the streets, uh, trying to sell everyday cars. Um, even Honda has their engine in the, in the back of the Red Bull cars this year. Uh, so Honda is going to use some of that technology, and it's probably going to end up under the hood of your Toyota Camry. Some of that technology from Formula One is going to end up in the cars so, you know, that's one reason you can you can care. You can be like, hey, that's pretty cool. You know, what they're learning is going to end up helping my car be better. Um, so now we're going to get into some of the history. Uh, the first Formula One World Championship was held on May 13th in 1950, or the first World Championship race in Silverstone in England, which they still race there to this day, which is pretty neat. Um, since then, the sport has always been about creating the best car possible uh, within the rules at whatever cost necessary. Uh, development is driven by the desire to win and the desire to be the best. Uh, this sounds really good in theory. You're like, hey, yeah, the best should always win. But one thing that I've been thinking about is it's up to you as a viewer. Who do you want the best to be? Do you want the best team to win or do you want the best driver to win? Uh, you know, we can look at recently we've had Ferrari versus Mercedes, uh, we had Ferrari versus Renault, Ferrari versus McLaren. You know, these are looking back several decades. Um, so Marcus Erickson, who is a former driver, was, he drives an IndyCar now, which we're going to get to IndyCar a little bit later. And he said, you know, manufacture, or Formula One is a manufacturer's championship and not a driver's championship. And I, this really intrigued me because I'm like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Nobody's talking or people talk about the drivers, but it's way more about the car. The, since the cars are all so different within the rules, they, they matter much more than the driver does. So if you want the, the best team to win, you know, it's great for you. But if you want the best driver to win, 
Formula One is probably not the sport for you to be watching because it, it's not going to happen. Right now we have Lewis Hamilton winning, which he is one of the best drivers ever. So, you know, he deserves to win for sure. But is he winning if he's in a different car? That's that's the big question that people are always asking is, you know, do we want the best driver to win or do we want the best car to win? Um so this scenario was highlighted most recently at the Secure Grand Prix in 2020. So it was only a couple months ago. Uh, this race was in Bahrain. Um, so this was one of the craziest races that I've ever seen. It was filled with, it was heartbreak, then it was exciting again, and then it was some more heartbreak, and then it was even more exciting. And uh, this, this, this was created by a bad situation for Lewis Hamilton. We're bringing him up again. Um, so Lewis Hamilton got COVID in the week leading up to the race. So for obvious reasons, he was absent. He wasn't able to race. And uh, Mercedes, who is the best team in the past couple of years, uh, they had to find someone else to replace him because they're not just going to drive with one driver. So each team has two drivers. So there's 10 teams, 20 cars total. Uh, so George Russell has been a Mercedes Academy driver or development driver. He's been within their system since he was a little kid. Um, he drives for Williams. Williams is also within the Mercedes branch right now. Uh, so Williams is an extremely historical team. They've won tons of championships, uh, you know, decades ago, but they have fallen into financial struggles and which I mentioned earlier and which I'll mention later. Not a lot of money means not a lot of performance. So Williams has been the slowest car on the grid for a couple of years now, but George Russell is regarded as the next, you know, next really good driver in Formula One, but he's just waiting and waiting and waiting for his chance to prove that he is good. Um, you know, he's been driving in the Williams, so he's been held back by his machinery. And um, so George finally got the opportunity to race for Mercedes, which everybody, fans, have been looking forward to. I hate Mercedes, but I was extremely excited for this. And so Valtteri Bottas is the other Mercedes driver, and George Russell was pitted against him, same car, and for less than a week of practice and a car that he didn't fit in because George Russell is like five inches taller than Lewis Hamilton, uh, George Russell made Valtteri Bottas look like a fool. It was... It was pretty embarrassing for Valtteri Bottas. I even began to feel bad for Valtteri Bottas because, you know, this, this kid, he's like 22 years old, rolled in with the week of practice and just destroyed him. It wasn't, it wasn't very fair. <laughs> so, um, you know, now we're looking forward. Formula One is supposed to have, you know, the top 20 drivers in the world, the, the pinnacle of motorsport, the best people, but that, that's not the case. Um, I think it would be more fun to watch the 20 best drivers in the world competing for the championship rather than the couple of drivers with the best cars. Um, so two of the main reasons that the cars are so unbalanced, like highlighted in that last scenario between the Williams and the Mercedes, is that uh, the budget and development differences and the other being dirty air, uh, that's a little bit of a complex topic that we'll get into a little bit later. And... Um, so referencing our, our initial question is spec racing. Um, so spec racing goes against some of the history of the sport and how it has been regulated since it was founded 70 years ago. Uh, but however, I think that 
once people watch some of the spec racing and get to experience, you know, how exciting a lap or average lap times within two tenths of a second of each other is going to change the way that people watch the sport and how people want to watch the sport. Um, so, you know, what is spec racing and why does spec racing make it more exciting just like right off the bat? Like, how does that happen? So spec racing is a set of regulations where every single car is identical. So uh, Formula One right now that the way it works is they set out a set of regulations for the entire uh, field of teams and they have to make the best car within that set of regulations, you know, with whatever, whatever uh, cost they want. Uh, so with spec racing, they all have the same chassis, engine, gearbox, brakes, and so on. So it really focuses on the driver ability and the strategy of the team to win the races. Um, there's also another kind of regulatory racing, uh, which is typically within sports cars. Uh, so this is best best um, seen as GT3 cars. So that's all different manufacturers have their own separate looking car, separate everything, but they're ha they have a set of regulations. And if one car is too fast, they slow it down by adding weight or reducing horsepower. And if one car is too slow, they make it a little bit faster. So this is one way that some uh, series regulate their cars. But um, I think that Formula, Formula One would be really good with spec racing because it would create exciting racing everywhere. You would have the best drivers uh, driving. Um, we wouldn't be crowning the championship or the champion five races before the season is over because the points gap is so large that there is, uh, there is numerically no possible way for the next car to win. Um, some of the most exciting races in Formula One or championships where it comes down to the last race, last lap, like 2007, Felipe Massa um, or Kimi Raikkonen actually won in the very last race by one point. The next season, Lewis Hamilton wins the championship the very last corner of the last lap of the entire season. Like that's the type of excitement that we want. And Lewis Hamilton has won the last few championships by 150, 200 points, which is not exciting at all. And, you know, this this high level spec racing is 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 being used in IndyCar right now, which is uh, the kind of the American version of Formula One, kind of American cousin, actually. They're like kind of related, but not really. Um so they both have open wheel design. IndyCar isn't entirely spec racing because there's two different en engine manufacturers between Chevrolet and Honda. But other than that, the cars are identical. Um, and the results of the championships make it very clear which set of regulations promote close racing. In, Lew in 2020, Lewis Hamilton won the Drivers' Championship at the Turkish Grand Prix, which was four races before the end of the season. And the championship wasn't even close. You know, at the at the end of the season, Lewis Hamilton had beaten his teammate Valtteri Bottas by 124 points. That's five races of coming in first because you get 25 points for coming in first in Formula One. So Lewis Hamilton would not would have to d or have a DNF every single race for the last five races, and Valtteri Bottas would have to come in first, and he would win by one point. Like that, that's not close. And compared to the IndyCar Championship. Uh, Scott Dixon uh, won by 16 points. And, you know, that's a, 
it is a little bit a decent chunk of points but when we're looking at indycar where the winner gets 50 points instead of 25 that's like a three point or that's a three place race you know scott dixon comes in first gets 50 points the next driver comes in fourth you know he loses the championship by 16 points now you know that's extremely close extremely close and it's like why wouldn't you want that for formula one why wouldn't you want something where the cars are so close that you you know you're on edge until the very last race or very last lap of every single race um so they already kind of have this theory going on within the the formula setup so formula one formula two formula three formula four those are all different series that lead up to formula one they're kind of seen as development series where young kids usually at the age of like 13 or 14 can get into a car and race and um work on their craft to hopefully one day reach formula one and uh formula two is the step before formula one it's where all the top prospects go to race for the chance at formula one because it's kind of like the it's the best the best path if you do really well in formula one or formula two you have a good chance of getting a look at formula one um Many Formula One fans enjoy Formula Two way more than they enjoy Formula One because it, it's simply more exciting. The championship is unpredictable since it's a lot of uh, less experienced people. Uh, m- most of the drivers are competitive. There's some people in there because they have money. Uh, it's, an, it's not entirely you know the best prospects, but for the most part, it is very, very, very competitive. And um, so the driver that wins that championship is the one that's performed the best over the entire season because it's so close and you know they're all fighting or they're all racing for their life basically because they've been they've been driving carts since they were five years old trying to get into formula one and you know this is their chance you win the formula two championship it's a pretty good chance you're getting into formula one so in formula one you know only a couple drivers have a chance at winning based on the machinery they're given and in formula one formula two everybody has a chance because they all have the same car and you know this is this is extremely extremely promising if they put this in formula one because now you have all the best drivers all in the same car it's like that's they're they're gonna have some really good racing you know there are some drivers in formula one that will never never reach the podium they'll never reach you know they'll never win a race and you may be like wow someone can race their entire career and never win why are they how do they have a career if they're never winning but then you have to think that with the different development and money the different teams aren't competing so there's some teams that are sitting at the back like williams who there's no prayer at winning every both of the williams drivers are going into every race knowing they're going to lose that they know that they're not going to win, which is, I would think, you know, if I'm suiting up, getting ready every single race, knowing I'm not going to win, like that's got to be, it's got to be a tough pill to swallow. You know, you're sitting there getting excited and just, you have no prayer at winning. You just have to hope that you can come in 15th out of 20 cars, you know, 15th, like, Ooh, that's a good finish. You know, that's, that that's not exciting. That's not fun for the driver or the people to watch. And so one of the big reasons um, why, why Formula One is the way it is, is money. So money, you know, makes the world go round, basically. And in Formula One, that's the case, too. Uh, 
So Formula One is extremely expensive in its current state. Um, there are, aren't any regulations as of right now or as of last year, 2020, that teams were allowed to spend as much money as they want. There was no, there was no regulations to how much money they could spend. And um, Liberty Media is a company that runs Formula One. They, you know, of course, give out prize money for championships and they give out uh, money for heritage in the sport. So Williams gets a big check because they've been around for so long. Uh, there's different signing bonuses for who signs agreements first. And there's several other small bonuses that Liberty Media gives out to the teams. But it's it's usually not quite what they're spending. Um, so Formula One is very much a rich get richer and a poor get poorer system. The better the better team, the better the team of um, the better a team finishes, the more money they are awarded. Therefore, you know, the, the car development goes up since they have more money. And now you have the system where you win, you get more money, you get faster, you win by even more, while the other teams are losing, getting less money, can't develop as much, so they're getting slower. So now you have a gap between the, two, the, 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 wor- the best car and the worst car that is 1.5 to 2 seconds in a qualifying lap. You know, that's a big gap in, in racing. Anything above a second in racing is, like, massive. So you just have this system where the top teams, like Mercedes in 2019, spent almost $500 million on their operation in just one year. And then you compare that to Williams, who was only able to spend $132 million. So $132 million is still a massive amount, but then Mercedes is spending three, four times that amount. And so... So of course Williams is going to be at the back. They don't stand a chance. The top three teams, Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull, are spending over 60% of all the budgets combined. They're spending over a billion dollars between those three teams, $1.5 billion every year. And the rest of the grid together is spending like half a billion. So it, you can see why why the teams get so unbalanced so quickly is because Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull are spending more money, so they're winning more, and then they're getting more money. And so Mercedes has won the last seven championships in a row. And since, you know, they are the best team, and they deserve to win since they nailed the regulations, but it's also kind of easy to see why they continue to win. They win once, get the most money, win again, get even more money, and the cycle repeats itself. Uh, So the best team should be rewarded, but not at a level where teams are being put out of business. Ferrari earned over 10 times the amount of money that Haas did in 2017. And, you know, it's amazing that Haas is still in the same area code of performance that the top teams are when they're getting, you know, 10% of the amount of money that the top teams are. Like, I it blows my mind that they're still able to stay on the same track in the same series as them with that amount of money. And so money, you know, very, very, very important. Also, not only uh, kind of regulates the cars, it also regulates the drivers. So, you know, it's like any other sport where in the NBA, you have someone like uh, LeBron James in the NFL, you have Patrick Mahomes who are making 
you know, $40 million a year. You know, that's kind of the same way that it works in Formula One. So Sebastian Vettel was paid $50 million a year from Ferrari from like 2017 to 2020, which is already nearly half of Williams' entire budget. And uh, so Williams has to settle with newer drivers or not as good drivers that are okay with taking less money because, you know, they, they probably just want to be in the sport of Formula One. They want a chance. So they're, you know, they're going to take less money because, you know, they're not as good. But Sebastian Vettel, who is seen as the LeBron James or whatever from uh, for Formula One, is, of course, going to be going and looking for that money because he can get it. The teams want him. So they're going to pay the money as where Williams has to settle with the drivers that not all the teams want. So those drivers are going to settle for less money. Um and another route that teams are going for, which a lot of people highly dislike, is the paid driver route. Uh, so a paid driver isn't like a mystical driver or some filler in the regulations. Um, they are, you know, they're just a driver that are paying to drive. So here's here's an example. This is one that is kind of related to a real life scenario. Um, so like I'm an average driver. But my dad owns a massive business or just has a ton of money. And my dad can offer a multi-million dollar sponsorship or offer to simply just pay the team so that I can drive for them. And so th- this is what teams are looking for. You know, they see some kid who has some potential. You know, he's not the best. He He's not the ideal driver for the team. But his dad has a lot of money. And if I'm a team and I'm struggling to develop my car because I don't have a lot of money, I see that opportunity as a, hey, I have an average driver somewhat um, somewhat capable and they're going to bring me $20 million a year. Why would I not take that? So you have drivers that are good drivers, but they don't have the money that other drivers have so they get kicked out because the team needs money so now you can see where this whole pinnacle of motorsport is is kind of faulty because you know you have average drivers making it to the big stage because they were born into a billion dollar bank account or their dad has a massive company that can sponsor the car and now i get to drive and the guy who's been beating me up for the past 15 years by a second a lap is now out of the series because I have money and he doesn't. So, you know, this this whole thing where people are getting in purely off of money leaves a sour taste in my mouth because the, the, the good drivers are getting kicked out. And, you know, spec racing is is much cheaper than this this scenario we have now because this scenario we have now is teams are spending millions and millions hundreds of millions of dollars a year to develop their car spec racing they get one chassis and maybe there's a couple updates throughout the year but you know they're spending their money on having the best brains in the paddock to get s- strategies and setups done so you know you can kind of see how how unfair it is and you know life's not fair but you know, you want it to be competitive. So our next topic is going to get into the dirty air, which is kind of a direct, direct relationship to this, this past with money and uh, the regulations. So the, the best way to think of dirty air is imagine you're, you're sitting on a power boat, right? So this, I, I've spent a lot of times on boats. So uh, when you look behind you, and you know, you're going faster and faster, 
the propeller creates wake behind you. So it disrupts the water and it kind of has like a V formation coming off the back of your boat, kind of like a, like a, a, a flock of geese. It looks like a V coming off the back of your boat. And so, but directly behind your boat, the water is a lot smoother. So it's, it's wavier or there's more waves in the ocean. Uh, as your boat cuts through, it will leave like right behind the boat. It will leave kind of like a, 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 a smoother surface for other boats to follow behind, which will allow them to go by smoothly. So that's how the, the dirty air works in a straight line. So when cars are going in a straight line, they're cutting through the air and they're leaving a space for everyone behind them to, to get closer since they're making it smoother. But if you're in a boat and you turn and you, another boat tries to go over the wake, like the waves that the boat has created, it's going to be much more disrupted. That's kind of how the cars work when they're turning is when a car is turning and slicing through the air, it's disrupting the car behind and it makes it much harder for them to follow. This is because as the uh, regulations have allowed for development, cars are going for the most downforce possible. So they're, putting all these little winglets, all these uh, little pieces of carbon fiber on the sides of the cars that are there to create create downforce and allow cars to go faster around corners. But what they're not accounting for is how the car disturbs the air as it's going around the corners. So when cars get fresh, smooth air coming in from the front, they're working really well. The cars are getting glued to the ground. They're super fast around the corners. But then they're leaving all this turbulent air that behind them, so the car behind them, they're not getting the smooth air to keep them glued to the ground. They're getting all this turbulent air that is making it very hard for that downforce to work at its maximum potential. So what we end up have happening is cars will get really close on the straightaway. And then once they start doing some turns and the car behind is losing the, losing the downforce, the car in front pulls away. And then they'll get really close up on the straightaway and it, it just ends up being a parade. So the way that spec cars could fix this is, you know, they could specifically design a chassis that limits dirty air to the max. And that would extremely close the gap. You know, if there's no dirty air, now they can race not only on the straightaway, but on the entire track because there's nothing disrupting or there's not as much disrupting that airflow going over over the, 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 sec the following car. So we have a scenario where all teams have the same car. They're all really weak on dirty air, so there's not really much coming that, coming out. So now all the cars can race. We have the best drivers racing. Like ha that that provides much better racing than what we have now because everybody's on a level playing field. The cars can actually race against each other. And like we've seen in results from IndyCar, which is very similar to a spec racing series, that it's going to be close. You know, Scott Dixon wins by 16 points, which is, you know, three places in the final race. That's so much closer than anything we've witnessed in Formula One in the past four years. And I think that spec racing could could really be the answer if we want, as fans, if we want the best most exciting on-track experience, spec racing, I think, really delivers on that. And so what is Liberty Media doing to help close the gap in Formula One? Because it's it's no secret, you know, it's not a secret. I'm not just like uh, 
some random person that's like, hey, this doesn't really seem right. It's widely known around uh, everybody that follows Formula One, even the announcers in the races. They know that the, the racing isn't close and it's, it's, it's getting kind of boring. Um, so Liberty Media has actually introduced a budget cap for teams moving forward. So like I was talking about money and there was no regulation up until 2020. Well, moving forward in 2021, there is a budget cap. So this is really going to close the gap. Uh, So it's going to be $145 million in 2021. So this season coming up that starts in about a month. And then it's going to be all the way down to $135 million in 2023 at 5 million intervals. So 2022 is going to be $140 million. So this this is going to help a lot because all the teams are going to be regulated at a certain amount of money instead of the way it was where Mercedes is spending four times the amount that Williams is spending and Ferrari is spending a ridiculous amount of money. So this is going to bring that part way closer and also you know kind of to go right with that budget change is there's a new set of regulations launching in 2022 that will completely change the look of the cars um you can look them up if you'd like but the cars are not even going to look remotely the same and these new regulations are specifically designed to reduce the dirty air that we just talked about uh so I'm really, really, really hoping that with the combination of these new regulations and with the budget cap that the racing is going to be super close for forever. Um, However, if it isn't, you know, spec racing, I think that's the answer. Uh, So overall, since Liberty Media took over in 2017, the sport has been trending in the right direction. Um, It's been getting more exciting for viewers. The fan base has been growing. Um... So I just hope that they can really nail this this new regulations in the budget cap so that, you know, the racing, we're never going to have this series where it's a parade around half of the tracks they go to because of dirty air and um, budget imbalance. Uh, so, you know, as we've seen, fixing fixing the problem in Formula One is not a simple answer. Is, there's never a simple answer to anything. So... You know, Formula One has been around for 70 years. Maybe maybe I'm in the minority here because the imbalance of teams and innovation to create the fastest car has been why people have watched the sport for the past 70 years. So, you know, maybe maybe I'm in the minority here and boring racing is what people want so that the sport stays the way it has been for the past 70 years. However, if people want close racing that allows for every driver to have the chance to win every single race, the spec racing might be the best answer for that. Uh, uh, That's all from me today. Uh, Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Domcast. I'm your host, Dominic Zioli. Uh, It has been real. I will catch you guys next week, and uh, thank you for tuning in.